What is a patent attorney? Brought to you by Cartmills and Ransford, this is Discover IP, the podcast where we bring you insights into the patent profession so that you can understand if it might be the career path for you. I'm Ben Chapman, a patent attorney at Cartmills and Ransford, and today I'm joined by my colleague Russell Woolley, a senior associate patent attorney who works in our chemistry and materials group. Today we'll be discussing what a patent attorney is and what it is that they do. Russell, uh, welcome back. Thank you, Ben. Thank you. So on our last episode, we talked about what a patent is, you know, how to read it, how to get one, what you can do with it. Um, And today the plan is to talk about the different jobs in intellectual property law that related to patents. So I suppose, do you want to start off by giving us an overview of the different types of jobs in the legal sector that relate to intellectual property? Sure, we'll do. So um, there are a few different types of jobs in in patent law, specifically. Um, We are, you and I are patent attorneys, which is a specific legal qualification. We are qualified UK and European patent attorneys. And we'll, we'll discuss that in more detail throughout this podcast. But as you say, it's worth just mentioning there are other jobs in patent law with um, different legal qualifications. So there are solicitors who, who specialise in patents and intellectual property, and they will have a, a separate legal qualification to the patent attorney one that we have. And that solicitor might focus on preparing a patent case for court if, if that patent was being litigated. And they might focus on the deals and, and contracts which involve patents say, you writing the, the wording of a, a patent licensing agreement. And another legal role in, in patent law would be a, a barrister who, who specialises in patents, you specialises in standing up in the UK courts and presenting their case. And again, that, that's a separate legal qualification to a patent attorney, to a solicitor. You have barrister as a, a separate qualification. And you can also work... Without a, without the legal qualification, you could work as a patent examiner. So this is where you work for the patent office, deciding whether or not to grant patents. So there are a number of different jobs in, in patent law. And taking a step back in, in intellectual property law, there are also trademark attorneys that have a, a separate you know, trademark attorney qualification, which is different from the patent attorney qualification. But, but we're... We're patent attorneys, so I think we're going to spend the rest of the podcast talking about a bit about what we do. And we talked on the last episode about how you get a patent, how you start off with a patent application that goes to a patent office. It's examined by a patent examiner who you just mentioned, and ultimately a patent is granted by that patent office. Um, where's a patent attorney involved in that process? We're involved on the whole lifetime of a patent up until you preparing, you turning that nugget of an invention into a patent application all the way through to the patent being granted and enforced. And I'll go through it in a bit more detail, the, the steps on the way in, in, in the lifetime of a patent. So one thing we do is, is what's known as drafting. And that's writing the patent application. So you would work with a client, so you typically a, a business that you know, an innovative business, which 
one of its employees has, has invented something. And you might have meetings with, with the inventors, with, with the technical team at your clients to really understand how that invention works. Because you need to understand how the invention works if you're going to write the very best patent application that you can to protect that invention. So you need to understand the science of the invention, you're learning from the inventors at your clients, and you bring the legal side to, to help them have the very strongest patent application that they can. So that's what's known as drafting. And I suppose the job there is twofold, isn't it? We're helping by turning all of the technical information into an appropriate description of the invention. So on the last episode, we talked about the description, the examples that fulfill the patent bargain and give enough information for other people to be able to work the invention. And there's uh, a patent attorney's experience is sometimes needed to understand the level of detail that you need to give and write that in an intelligible, appropriate way. And we also, on the last episode, talked about the claims and drafting the claims is often the most challenging part of drafting an application because there you're trying to use your words to define the essential bits of the invention and really define the scope of what the inventors have created. Yes, exactly. As you say, getting the claims right is really one of the most, if not the most important part of the drafting process where you take a lot of technical information that may be given to you by an inventor and that inventor may not know anything about patent law. That, that, that's why they're coming to you. And distilling that into um, the bare essential features that you need to write in your claim is, is one of the real skills of an attorney. So once that application has been drafted and prepared, what happens then? So after the drafting stage, we have what's known as prosecution. And that's where you take that patent application through an examination process at a patent office, so it can then be granted as a patent. And this is quite a, a long, protracted process that's mostly done in writing, you know, successive legal and technical arguments. So a, a patent examiner at the patent office will, will read the application and they will look for publications of a, a similar name, of a similar nature to the invention because they need to assess those patent requirements, which we discussed in the previous episode. They need to assess whether the, your invention is novel, you know, has it been done before? Is it inventive? You know, is it obvious to the skilled person? And have you met the patent bargain? Can your invention be repeated? So the examiner reads that patent application, and in particular the claims, and will come up with a, and will form an assessment of, of whether or not the examiner thinks those requirements are met. And what often happens is, is the examiner will, will come up with a list of reasons why they don't think that one or other of the requirements might be met. And they will, that will be communicated to, to you, the, the patent attorney in writing. And you will review those reasons and review, say, some of the technical publications from, from before the patent application. And then you may aim to give the, the legal and technical reasons why you think the examiner is wrong, why the patent should be granted, why the claims are novel, inventive, and meeting the patent bargain. 
Alternatively, the examiner might have a point. There might be something that you hadn't anticipated, in which case you can um, limit the claims of the patent, make, make them narrower until those requirements of novelty, inventive step, and the patent bargain are met. And once, once you've convinced the examiner they are met, then the patent can be granted. So that whole process of taking the application through a patent office examination, we call that prosecution. And it can last a good couple of years, can't it, Russell? I know I've certainly got cases uh, on my books that are the patent application's already been pending by 10 years or more uh, by the time it gets to grant. Yes, it, it can take a surprisingly long time to, um, to people who, um, who, aren't, who aren't used to the profession. You, you may be expecting something to be filed and you'll get a patent a, a few weeks later. That, that's, that's very unusual. Um, mm. it's, a, it's a slow process and a few years passing between filing a patent application and you actually receiving your, your patent that taking a few years is completely normal. There are some things you can do to speed things up. But actually, in practice, often that, that uh, lag between filing an application and a few years passing before you get a patent, that time lag can actually be a good thing for your clients. Um, patents are typically filed early in, um, in an innovation's life cycle. And that was, and that's for the reasons we discussed in the previous podcast. You want to file your application early so no one else can can get there and um, disclose your invention before you. So it might be um, might be a few years before an invention is ready to be commercialized. So that that delay between filing a patent application and having a patent, it'll give your clients some time to you know, to think about commercializing their invention. And maybe to, to realize actually this invention isn't what we isn't as good as we thought it would be, and we can pull the plug and and and, and not spend any more money on it. And then after a patent is actually granted, once we've gone through that process of writing to and from the patent office, uh, patent attorneys are still involved in what comes next. And I don't know if you want to talk us through that. Exactly. So we've done the drafting. We've done the prosecution and, and we have a, a granted patent for our client. And what comes next is, is what we might call contentious work. And this is when a, a third party might get involved, say one of your client's competitors. So that that shiny new patent you, you've just got for your patent for your for your client, that might be a problem for one of their competitors. So that competitor may uh, launch a, a legal challenge on the validity of the patent, essentially saying that it shouldn't have been granted, that it doesn't meet those requirements of novelty, inventive step, and the patent bargain. So if a, a competitor challenges your client's patent, you need to defend against that challenge to, to keep that patent valid, to keep it in force. And, and part of that contentious work, as, as we call it, that also includes going to the equivalent of a court at the patent office and representing your client's case in person. So you get to be the equivalent of a barrister exchanging legal and technical arguments with, a, with an attorney representing your competitor. And that can be really, that can be hard work, but it's really interesting. It's certainly one of my favorite parts of the job is when we get to be involved in opposition work particularly 
in the pre or post pandemic days when it involved a trip to Munich and a nice vice beer after a successful day. Yes, and it's that it's interesting you say success because I think our profession is one where you really do have a a binary win loss. If you you will know if you've won a case, if you've had a, a borderline case that you've got granted by the patent office, that's a win. If if a if one of your client's competitors has challenged your your client's patent and you've succeeded in dismissing that challenge, that's a win. And that, that win-loss is one of the things I really enjoy about the role, whereas mm. maybe in other professions, you might reach the end of a project and you might have made a bit more or a bit less money for your, for your firm. But that winning and losing, it, it gets my competitive juices flowing and I actually <laughs> really enjoy it's 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 stressful, but if you win, it's enjoyable. That the contentious work is is um is one of the highlights of the role. So it's got a wide variety of work that you do as a patent attorney. As you say, it goes all the way from preparing the patent application, getting it granted, defending it afterwards uh, if it's challenged, or indeed, I suppose, bringing the challenges on behalf of other clients against granted patents. Um, how do you actually become a patent attorney? if all this has piqued your interest? I think the first thing it's important to realise is you do not need any legal qualifications before you apply to be a patent attorney. You're not expected to have done a law degree or to have done some patent law modules at university. All the legal training and qualifying is done on the job. What is a requirement, though, is a, a STEM degree, so a, a degree in science or engineering. And, and this makes sense as a requirement if you think about what the job actually involves. You're going to be working on technical, scientific inventions. You're going to be speaking with, with the inventors at your clients. So you need to be able to understand the, the language of science and the fundamental principles because you need to understand how an invention works if you're going to be able to write a patent application to protect that invention. And I just don't think that's possible without a, a university-level study in, in, a, in, a, in a STEM field. So the absolute requirement is a, is a STEM degree. Lots of our colleagues, and I mean, you and, you and I, Russell, both have PhDs and lots of people have various types of postgrad education but that's um certainly not a requirement is it because i know a lot of people get the impression that a postgraduate degree will be helpful in finding a job as a patent attorney yes i think you've you've used exactly the right word with helpful a phd uh, i think might be helpful in getting a job but it is absolutely not essential i think we, we need to get that completely clear you do not need a phd to be a patent attorney having a phd might help with the interview process you, you may well be a, a bit more confident in, in public speaking after a PhD. You, you might have given some presentations at international conferences. That might help with the interview process, but it is not essential. I think at, at Cartmel's, I'm not sure of the precise numbers, but I think roughly half the attorneys don't have PhDs. Mm -hmm. And it certainly does not hold you back in, in any way if you don't have a PhD. That there have been you know, some instances in my career where being able to talk on a particular technical area, you know, backed up with the authority of my PhD, has been useful. But I'm sure in those situations, 
you know, not having a PhD, we would, would still have been able to get by. You were perfectly able to do your job without a PhD. So helpful, not essential. Certainly not worth putting yourself through four more years of education just for the sake of it if you're planning on applying to be a patent attorney. Exactly, yes. If you want to do a PhD, in my view, is you should do one because you want to do a PhD and you're considering perhaps a career in academia. Doing a PhD for the sole reason that it might make it easier to be a patent attorney in three or four years' time, I'm not sure that would be the best reason. And then you come to the job of a patent attorney having done a STEM degree. Um, what comes next? How do you get that legal qualification? So, as I said, the, the, the legal training is all done on the job. So over the, if you successfully have a, applied to a firm and have been you know, accepted a, a role as a trainee patent attorney, over the first three to four years, there are regular sets of exams which you need to pass to become a, a qualified patent attorney. And the firm will, will guide you through these exams. You, everyone at the firm has, has done them at, at some stage. The firm will guide you through these exams, offering you know, in-house tutorials or, or paying for you to go to um, you know, an external tutorial to, to guide you through these exams. Uh, and in the meantime, you're, you're doing some of the real work as a patent attorney. So you're gaining practical experience being a, a trainee patent attorney while you're taking successive exams to be a qualified patent attorney. But I think it's worth mentioning these exams. Some of the exams are fairly straightforward, but some of them are really, really difficult. <laughs> and I think to, to give you an, an idea, some of the exams you need to pass to become a UK patent attorney, they have pass rates of, of less than 50% each year. So that is you, fewer than half the people sitting them pass that exam each year. And, and let's keep in mind that getting a job offer to train as a patent attorney isn't easy. You know, for, for a firm to make you that offer, you may well need you know, good grades and, and a good science degree. So the people sitting those exams are often high achievers, you know, used to passing exams, and yet out of those people, more than half of them may well fail one or two of the legal exams each year. Well, I mean, I certainly failed a couple uh, whilst I was qualifying and resat a few. I think that's one of the one of the most challenging part of the jobs, but it's also a good thing that you're working as you're doing that qualification process. It's not a separate degree or conversion that you have to do beforehand it's just part of your training and your work so whilst it's difficult working at the same time as studying for these exams it's a good thing that you're still advancing your career and you're advancing your skills and your knowledge whilst you're sitting them yes exactly so you're you're working gaining practical experience as in parallel you're you're gaining the, the legal qualifications to be deemed a qualified patent attorney so you're you're still earning you're still earning money as you're taking these exams. You're not a, a penniless student. And at a, a firm the size of Cartmills, there will be other people that have joined the firm at the same time as you going through the exact same exams. And, and you can share the, the stress and the difficulties with your peers. And indeed, your, your supervisors will have all been through the same exams years before. And 
people understand it's difficult. So you, you will get plenty of support. Where are some good resources, Russell, if people want to find out more about the profession? There's a few things you can do. One thing you can do is you go to your university careers fair, if, if, if you're still at university, and, and talk to people. Most, most large firms will have booths at university careers fairs. I know I've, I've represented Cartmel's at Imperial College careers fairs on a number of occasions. So go to a careers fair and, and have a chat with, with the people there. Ask, ask, them, ask them questions. Another thing you could do is, is try to get on an open day or, or an internship, which um, we've, we've led the way in, in offering internships and open days over the last few years. And a few firms do this now. I think it's it's worth mentioning it's it's not essential to go on an open day. It's it's not essential to do an internship. That this isn't investment banking where to get your foot on the career ladder you're sort of expected to have done one or two unpaid internships over summer. The internships are a nice way of finding out a bit about the profession and speaking to people and asking questions. But they're not a requirement in order to um to apply for for the role of a, of a patent attorney. No, they're, they're very much a useful way to find out more about a job that I think most people don't know a huge amount about. Um, so it's useful to be able to go on those open days and those internships and see what happens at the coalface, as it were. Yeah, yes, exactly. And I suppose um, a useful thing about an open day or internship is it, it might lead you to the conclusion, actually, this isn't for me. And if that saves you the, the time of uh, applying for a role that ultimately you decide you're not interested in, then that's a, a very, um, that's a useful outcome itself. So I think that's probably everything we've got time for, Russell. Um, thanks again for coming back. Thanks for joining me again today. Uh, I normally ask people what your favourite part of a job of a, as a patent attorney is, but you gave me that answer last time. So just to flip it on its head, what's, what's your least favourite part, Russell? The least favourite part is, or was, fortunately it's all behind me, the exams were certainly my least favourite part because they are regular exams over the first three to four years in the role. It does add a, add a lot of stress and some of them are very difficult. You, you, will, you will pass them in, in due course and everyone's been through them, but, but that doesn't make it any easier at the time. Um, so yeah, my least favourite part of the role was was the, you studying for the exams, you learning learning to pass a test. I wouldn't be surprised if that was the answer that most patent attorneys gave. But as you say, Russell, <laughs> exactly. luckily, that's well in the past. Yes. Well, thanks again, Russell, for joining me. Um, and thank you for listening to Discover IP. We hope you'll tune us again soon for more insights into the career path of a patent attorney. Subscribe wherever you usually get your podcasts. And if you want to find out more about a career in IP, including the open days and internships that Cartmills offer, then feel free to get in touch at recruitment at cartmills.com. Mm-hmm.